0: God right on King Jesus no man no man no man cannot hinder me praise the Lord we stand here today in 2014 and we are here standing because of the sacrifices that many has made in the past the struggles that they have been through the prayers that they have made the grandmothers and grandfathers and great-grands that suffered and died in the struggle to see their children free it was a struggle. It was a fight. And sometimes it seems that it would never, never come through. Sometimes the, the midnight was so dark it seemed like sunlight will never come. But we want to praise God for freedom. We want to praise God for deliverance. Lest we The living, be ungrateful stewards. We need to stand in honor of the sacrifices that was made for us. And this is not a black thing. This is not a a white thing. This is not a yellow thing. This is a people thing. Amen? Amen? We need to stand in honor of all that was done. You know, when I reflected on the life of Mandela, this man locked away in prison for 27 years, 27 long years in prison. I've spoken to guys that spent a week in prison (laughs) And, and these guys are crying. They said, Pastor, you don't know what it was like being in prison for one week for something I didn't even do. But imagine being in prison for 27 years. Dogs set on you. Witnessing your friends being killed by the gun. Witnessing your house being burnt down with loved ones in it, children killed right before you. It was a struggle. But we're going to praise God. We want to praise God. We're standing today because of the sacrifices of those in the past. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the sacrifices that. our grandparents made, our great-grands, and even those, Lord, that stood up with them of different cultures fighting in the struggle for freedom. We celebrate this month, Lord, not to show that any race is greater than the other, but we come here just to celebrate the freedom The freedom that became possible because of the struggles of those in the past. But Lord, we hold on to the hand of freedom even now, and we look further to the freedom that we anticipate when we shall leave this world and when we shall surround you on the city of glass. Lord, we just want to give you thanks, Lord, for all that you have done. You are a wonderful God. You have been with us through the struggle to this very point where we can stand and we can see a president, a black president in the White House. He may not be a perfect president, but this shows us That we have come this far truly by faith. I pray, Father, that you will bless each and every one of us here. We know that there are some that are standing in our midst that have been in the struggle, that have been in the fight. And we want to thank you for sustaining them and helping them to witness this very day. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will lead us. As we open up this celebration, Lord, in this month, we just ask that you will lead and guide us. And may we have that right tone that pleases heaven in everything that we say, do, sing or think. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Praise the Lord. I've entitled my message, Black, Bold, and Beautiful. Now, I don't know why, but I hope it comes together. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, as uh, I'm crazy like that, I just, the title comes and I say, that's what it is. Black, Bold, and Beautiful. Amen? Amen. When we think of this month, Black History Month, it brings different connotations to us. We have these different feelings and different emotions. But when we think of Black History Month, it's also known uh, to uh, us here in America, uh, African American History Month in America, uh, in Canada, it is known as simply Black History Month. In the United uh, Kingdom, it is known as the same Black History Month. And it is interesting to understand that in Canada and also in the United States, it is celebrated in February. But in the United Kingdom, it is celebrated in October. And uh, Well, we have to have a unique one, right? But what we see is that this month is is a celebration of all that has taken place over uh, uh, recent history leading up to now, showing uh, and helping us to remember the important people and events in the history of the African diaspora. When we think of uh, this struggle, when we think of the fight that has uh, this nation, this world has gone through, it's, it's amazing. When we look back over the last 300 years, we see truly it has been a, a struggle in different cultures, in different countries, uh, when we think of the, the history, as we, they say the Negro History Week celebrated, the celebration started in 1926, Black History Month in um, the United States in a, in a formal way as it is reported in 1976. It started out in the United Kingdom in 1987, and recently in Canada in 1995. This is something new, but to some, they ask the question, why do we take one month to celebrate one color? (laughs) Or one culture? Isn't there something wrong with it? And I used to think, if you ask my wife and some back home, I used to struggle with this, and I used to say, why? But after reading a little and talking to some of the older folks a little, I got to appreciate Sister Cooper a lot more, why? You know, sometimes we are the, the younger generation, we are giddy-headed, we don't understand what it was back then. Uh, I never understood why my grandmother was always telling me to say, stick to your own. I didn't understand. I didn't understand her struggle. I used to say my, to my grandmother, you know, I think that this is, you know, that's racism. You know, I wanna, if I want to marry someone white, why not? If I want to marry Chinese, why not? If I want to marry out of my Jamaican culture and marry an African-American, why not? The interesting thing about it is looking back in the struggle of what my grandmother went through or what my great-grandparents went through It's interesting that, you know, when you look in, get into someone's skin, when you look into, from, through their eyes and, and what they have gone through, you could have a greater appreciation of what they say. Even though they may not say it in the right way, you have a greater appreciation of that. It's very important for us to understand. When we talk about, and when we think about, and when we sing about, and when we write poems about these experiences, these are people's experiences, and they are real. I may uh, disagree with how it is brought forth, but I never agreed with my grandmother. You know, I grew up in in, um, in a very interesting place in uh, in Montreal where... Um, all the black dudes, we just had white girlfriends. And my grandmother was, she was not too pleased. I remember one day, these two white girls came to the door to see me. (laughs) And guess who answered the door? (laughs) My grandmother. And man, she turned purple, red, red. And, and I mean, she came back in and scold me and she says, do not hang around with these white girls. She had this fear that I would marry a white lady. You know, when I think back then to what my grandmother and all her peers, what they went through, the insults that she went through when she came to Canada in the early sixties. The uh, people just hurling all side of all sorts of garbage at her and the struggle that she went through, it took me a while to appreciate her point of view even though I didn't fully agree with it. You know, it's important for us as a culture, as a family, as a people, even within the context of the Seventh-day Adventist church, to set a round table and talk about these things. Talk about our fears. Talk about our experiences. I remember coming to Canada and uh, I was called an, an African, go back to Africa. You know, go and pick up your spears and, you know, get naked and run around in the jungle. You know, I remember that, and it was very insulting. I remember that. I remember growing up in Bronx, New York, and and it was it was very interesting that, you know, my skin was a little darker than others and, you know, the young ladies prefer the lighter skin people and the darker skin well you're from africa even within the african-american community the struggle is there Amen? amen and so black history month now i believe that this gives us an opportunity to discuss to dialogue. And it's just not not just an opportunity within our culture but within all cultures. And so this morning briefly we're just going to be talking about uh, some of these things. I'll be sharing you some of the research that I've recently done and um, I'm hoping that we will get a little from it. And so when we think of Black History Month um, this uh, you may. How many of you guys know Morgan uh, Friedman? Now he is one that is against Black History Month. He doesn't want to have anything to do with Black History Month, and he says, "You know, I don't want a Black History Month. What he wants is Black History in America." I don't want to focus on one month. I just want to focus on the history. Let's not look at a month. Let's look at the history. We, it is a part of the heritage. Let's look at that. And, you know, we have to understand you have different uh, views in this. But when we look at this now, I believe that Black History Month provides a platform or an opportunity for us to discuss the equality among us of all nations, of all tongues, of all peoples. It doesn't matter what color, it gives us an opportunity to discuss this. It gives us an opportunity to to reflect back and to see what wrongs were made and how we could right these wrongs. It gives us an opportunity of reconciliation. It gives us an opportunity to show how God is able to work with a people and bring them through the struggle and see how they react in the light of freedom. It gives us an opportunity to talk about our story, to talk about our heritage. And it doesn't matter if you're black or white. It gives us this great opportunity to reflect back and to look where we are now and also to focus on the future, amen? And so the opportunity that we have right now is to look at ourselves in the mirror. Have you done that lately? I'm pretty sure you did that this morning, right? I walked up to the mirror and I looked at myself this morning and I was putting on uh, uh, my black suit with my um, African little tie, um, um, what? Handkerchief, my bow tie, and I had my little cummerbund. and I asked my wife, how do I look? And my wife looked at me, and she says, I hate it. I don't like it. (laughs) And she says, well, that's my opinion, but I said, I like it. Well, she said, I don't like it. Guess who won? (laughs) Well, she always wins. (laughs) Gentlemen, I'm telling you, that's, you know, 101 for you. Let your wife always win, right? Mm -hmm you'll have peace, right? So I took that off and I put on the blue suit with the white tie and everything, and she said nothing. She just smiled. Message delivered. But I look at myself in the mirror and I said, you know something? I love this black man. And I always did. I love the tone of my skin. I don't want it to have it lighter. I like the fact that my hair, if it grows a little longer, it rolls, (laughs) and I even love the fact that if my beard grows, it goes down and I have this thing called ingrown hairs. I love it. This is my story. I love the fact that I am black, I am bold, and I am beautiful. Yes. You know why I love the fact of this? is because that God made me so. Uh, I had no choice in it. God decided that, well, where is this soul going to be born? And God decided, well, not China, not Japan. Well, I'm going to let him be born in Manchester, Jamaica. And so God dropped me on that little island, right? I, I was conceived on the campus of West Indies College. And I love the fact. And I remember just about four years ago, I went back there with my father, and he says, Yep, that's where it all started. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, it didn't start in the right way, you know, but my father says, Well, yep. Yeah. And I said, Dad, tell me the story. Tell me my story. And he says, well, you see that tree stump over there? There used to be a tree associated with it. That's where I met your mom. And he told me the story of me. And I felt so good. That's where I began. And so I'm this black, Jamaican, Canadian, American man. Born in Jamaica, 1969, that was the crazy, crazy period, right? I see some people scratching their head and said, I remember 1969, anything goes at that time, even in Jamaica, and I came. And so I brought, was brought up in that situation in Jamaica, and I loved it, that was, that's paradise for me, Paradise. And then after I was raised in, in Montreal, Canada, and also Bronx, New York, and that's where I became a man. And that's where I understood the different cultures, because you see, Jamaica, you know, it was, I think the first white person that I saw in Jamaica was, I saw there was a doctor in Mandeville driving. And first of all, there was a problem there, because this was a woman that was driving, And back then you didn't see women driving, and she was white, and we were like, "Wow, You know, we were just so caught up with this thing." But then later on, when I came to Montreal and, and later in, in New York, and I was able to see the different cultures Chinese and Indians and all of that, I was as an eight-year-old, I was shocked. I I couldn't believe it, because some of these things, you see it on TV, but to see it in real time, this is back in the 70s, it was like, wow, for me. Now, you may say, well, this guy sounds like he is from a primitive culture. Well, I was, but I'm saying to us, it is important for us to celebrate our heritage. It is important for us to celebrate our story. It is important for us to sing about it. It is important for us to dry, write poems about it, Sister Ellis. It is important for us to have all the artistic flair about it. If you want to check out a, a good piece of art, check my sister out. She's on the web. Uh, Tammy Natalie Clark. No. Madden. (laughs) Tammy Natalie Madden. I'm thinking of my praise team leader. Um, And she has her art all over the web. And she celebrates the beauty of blackness. She celebrates that. And she shows it in her arts and all of that. Mind you, I can't even buy a piece of her art. It's about $5,000, like, you know, starting, right? But it's interesting when you look at this, you could see that... Every single one of us, we have a story. And God has made us so, Sister Rogers. It is God that has placed us. And and Sister White said, okay, you're going to be born in New York. Bam. That's where you're going to be born. Brooklyn, right? Yes. Brooklyn. Sister White? Yes. Brooklyn? No? I thought I had you right. Yes. Oh, Matt. It's close enough. (laughs) You see, that's a New Yorker, right? Because Manhattan, Brooklyn, Bronx, I'm glad I didn't say the Bronx, right? (laughs) But the point is, is that we need to celebrate the heritage God has placed us so. Amen? And so when we think of that, I think of the Psalm, Psalm 139, verse 14, it says, I praise thee. I praise you, Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. Look at the work of God. Just turn around and look at yourself if you can. Or turn around and look at each other, right? Look to your neighbor and say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you take a break, even now... And without even saying a word, look to your neighbor and don't say a word. Look at your neighbor. Look at, into your neighbor's eyes. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's all right. They're not going to bite. And when you look at that person, brother O.D., beside you, sister O.D., God is the one that made us. He made us with the hair. He made us with the skin. He made us with everything we've got. We are truly fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? Amen. So if we are fearfully and wonderfully made, why is some of us trying to bleach ourselves into oblivion? Why is some of us trying to tack a little blonde hair on our head? Come on, everybody. Why is it that some of us are trying to flatten the nose? Uh, I know the tradition. Uh, And I've seen the tradition that when a little baby is born, I've seen it in Jamaica and it happens in Africa as well, they try to pinch that nose. They want that nose to be straight. You know, we're trying to emulate another culture. We're not so content with our hair's texture. So we got to have it combed and slicked back or pressed or whatever it is. Because we are mimicking another culture. Instead of mimicking another culture, why not mimic your own? Why not celebrate who you are? Why not just say, listen, God, you made me like this with this stature, with this color, with everything. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen. Because if you are not pleased with yourself, who will be? It got to start with you. And so it's important for us, it's important for us to recognize what God has done and just be happy with it. Amen? Amen. And so the Bible tells us, listen, I am fearfully, I am wonderfully made, marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth right well. Praise God. And so the psalmist, he was writing this down, and he's putting it down, and, and he's setting it up, and he's setting us up for his message. And when we think of the message that David brought forth, David was a man, truly it says, a man after God's own heart, and a man that celebrated art and culture and different peoples. He had, he had a couple of wives, and he trained Solomon well, that Solomon decided to really take it to the next level. He had a wife in each cultural group. He had wives in, of all different shades, right? Right? Every day he had a wife for a different occasion, right? That was Solomon. And Solomon looked, and he recognized his skin texture. He recognized, listen, what did Solomon say? Hmm? He says that I am, I'm black, I'm comely. He recognized his, his, who he was, and he was happy within his skin. What I'm saying to us as a people, let's be happy with what God has given you. Amen? Amen. Let's be happy within our culture. Let's celebrate our culture. Let's celebrate what God has given us, the gift. One of the greatest gifts that God has given us next to Jesus Christ is ourselves. Amen? Amen? And so let's not, you know, be narcissists with it. But, you know, but let's be happy with what God is doing in us. Now, I set out a survey just uh, this week. And I asked a few questions in this survey. How many of you guys is on my Facebook feed? Right, you got some of them. Now, some of you guys didn't respond, but I, had a, I, I sent out to about, you know, I have a, over 1,000, almost 1,500 friends. I sent it out to 200 of them, tagging them, right? And it was interesting to see the responses that we got out of that. Now, the question that I asked in this survey was just a a very simple six questions. Yes, seven to make it complete. And I asked the question, what is black? Simple question. And I didn't ask, what is the race? I just asked just, what is black? Uh, is, Is black a color? Is black better? Is black a feeling? Is black a culture? Is black slavery? Is black more spiritual? And I asked this question, and I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to interpret it. I just put it out there, and I wanted people just to, I wanted to see the reaction of the people. Now, a number of people responded, and these are some of the responses these are some of the responses that I got from this. Individuals chimed in and uh, some people, they said that black is a shade, black is not a color. That is relative, Depend depends on what the setting is and where black is used. And so some simply say, well, black is beautiful. You know, another one went on and they, they said uh, this was profound. There was this, um, this person says, well, I'm white. How do you expect me to know that? <laughs> 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 now, that was my friend back in Montreal, Chantelle. <laughs> but but uh, as, as, uh, as it would uh, speak, uh, she's, she's married to a black man. So I know the whole thing, right? And, but she came on and she says, black is like beauty. Another says, black is powerful. Another says, I love black. Right? Others, many say black is uh, color and so forth. And uh, we heard different responses in, in this, but one of the responses that really touched me was, was this response, Right? Black is the absence of color and the presence of all colors. That's a shout out to Rowan, right? Black is the absence. Black is the absence. Is the uh, absence of color and the presence of all colors. And when we think about this. I, I thought about this whole thing coming into this, and I realized that sometimes we, when we get into this Black History Month, what we, tra- we, we talk about, we try to push this black thing, like black is better than everybody else. And we, 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 we try to um, have this black power movement. A few weeks ago, uh, Elder Mulder and myself, we met in the office with this, what was his name, a black Israelite, a black Israelite, and this man was a big dude, and he came in, and he was trying to tell us that only blacks will go to heaven, isn't that ridiculous, only blacks will go to heaven, I'm saying, where where do you get that from, you know, and this is where I'm saying is that sometimes we lose the debate, we lose the thought in this, not realizing that it's more than what we think. I believe that God has, he, when we think of God, God, he has different shades in his arsenal. God is black, he is white, he is Chinese, he is brown, he is, he is all the colors, Right? And so when we think of this, sometimes we push ourselves to the limit, and, we, and we, instead of using the opportunity to unite, we use the opportunity to divide and bring hatred. And so when, um, as this, the questions went on, there, some people came out and said, well, you know, I think that black is more spiritual, but... And I realized something. Any time a culture has gone through a struggle, anytime a culture has gone through a struggle, a culture or a people have gone through a struggle, the struggle, whatever they have gone through, becomes the thing, becomes that thing of debate. Think of the Jews. The Jews went through a struggle in the Holocaust and that has become that the, the hub of it all but do we remain at the holocaust do we stay at the holocaust do we always we still are they still enslaved by that some of them yes but if we don't take this as a springboard to something greater then dysfunctionalism will set in i believe that some of us we we struggle, yes, with slavery as uh, so much, and we are liberated physically, we are liberated politically, quote-unquote, but we are still enslaved mentally. We are still enslaved even by the way we we carry ourselves, the way we talk about ourselves, the ambitions and all of that. We enslave ourselves. We keep ourselves captive when God has given us freedom. It is like a fish tank. And I, many run, have done this experiment. And a fish tank, they put a, a partition in the... Uh, 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 um, an invisible partition, a glass partition in the tank. And the fish is able to swim to that partition and go back and forth from one level to the other. And then they remove the partition after a while. And you know what happened to the fish? They still stay within the same part of the tank, thinking that the partition is there. I believe this is like us in many ways. When God truly has given us the freedom and some of us we're not taking advantage of it this is why i appreciated the, the previous preacher uh, dr kim we need to understand that we are liberated we need to understand that every single one of us whether we are spanish whether we are white whether we are black whether we are indians africans wherever we came from we are liberated in the lord amen and we're going to understand that and accept that, that we should not, you know, dumb ourselves down and keep ourselves in this mold. Too many times I talk to children, black children, and I ask them, I said, well, what do you want to be? And, and you hear what they're saying. They want to be these low-line, you know, professions. You know, I, I'm going to be a cook you know, in a a regular McDonald's or something like that. They don't have this ambition that, hey, the sky is the limit. When God has created us, and he has created us with a mind to create, he has created with a mind to recreate, to invent, he has created us in an unlimited way, Brother Daniel. And so every single one of us We have that potential of greatness within us. But do we accept it? Do we embrace it? Or are we running from it? Are we running away from our destiny? I remember the story found in Acts chapter 8, verse 27. The story of the Ethiopian eunuch. This man was a black man. And he came to worship in Jerusalem with all the other Jews. He came to worship in Jerusalem with all the other Jews of different shades. And he was from Ethiopia under Candace, the story tells us. But this man was worshiping and he was on his way from Jerusalem and uh, whatever the experience he was, he was so happy with that he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And uh, as he was Isaiah 53 specifically, and as he was reading, he could not understand. He needed understanding and the Lord sent Philip down in that region to interpret and help him to study the word of God. And as Philip was there um, studying the Word of God while the chariot was moving on and so forth, this man, he was not baptized, but he was one that was willing to learn. And when Philip expounded unto him clearly about the gospel, this man says, Here is water. What hindereth thou me to be baptized? And that very day, he was baptized. What we got to understand is that Jerusalem, metaphorically, in that time, is, is, was the hub of worship. Was the hub where everyone came to worship. And people came from all across the world. And they came down to Jerusalem. But this man, this he, had, he was welcomed in Jerusalem. He was not an outcast. He was welcomed in Jerusalem to worship. And what I'm saying in all of this, as we come to worship within this church, we have many opportunities here. We have barbers that came to worship, brother. We have seamstress that came to worship. We have doctors. We have musicians. We have bankers. We have poets. We have all these individuals coming to Jerusalem to worship. Worship is not a culture. Worship is for everyone. Worship is not a gender. It is for everyone. The worship experience that, that, that we should have, it, it, is, it is a celebration of all the creation of God. And so when we look at the wonderful mosaic and the different colors and textures and, and every, the languages, everyone comes together and we worship and we cry out to one God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. However, the problem that we face in this whole mix is that we have a tendency to overemphasize that which was oppressed in our lives and in history. We have a tendency to do that. Losing the beauty of balance. Sometimes not realizing that we are all God's children. I remember a time and I heard the story uh, in the army, the the war earlier in, I think this was in um, World War II, where there were some of the African Americans they were discriminated against, and so what they were doing, they were pooling the blood of the black Americans. And they were keeping them separate from the white Americans because they had this thing that uh, if the, if you put a black man's blood into a white man's body, the white man will turn black. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? Now, this is a true story, right? And, and um, well, the supply <laughs> ran low. And so the white man's blood supply was low. And the only thing that they had was the black man's blood supply. And you know what they did? They took the black man's supply and put it in the white man, right? And they waited. (laughs) (laughs) And guess what happened? (laughs) The white man was even whiter. No, I just added that, <laughs> you know. what well, we got to realize, one, that we are all God's children. We're all God's children, and God is calling us to come together. We read and, and we hear the, the message of Martin Luther King, and he hits the crescendo, and he says, I have a dream. And he talks about, I have a dream that, the, that the, the white kids will play with the black kids. I have a dream that all the cultures will to come together and all of God's children shall play together. He had that dream. And, and some people would want to push Martin Luther King into saying something else. But Martin Luther King was preaching... The whole idea of working together, uniting together. He would never hated the white man. He loved the white man. He loved the Indian man just as much as he loved the black man. He wanted equality. And that's what he lived and died for. And I believe that as a people, looking back, we need to celebrate the fact of this man's life, Martin Luther King's are when we think of Nelson Mandela. He is now the president of South Africa. He has the power to crush all of those that tried to crush him. He had the power to wipe them out. He had the power to call forth all the the Zulus and all all everybody together and say, okay, let's take it over. He had the power to do that. But instead of doing that, what did he do? Instead of doing that, he says, listen, let's have a shared leadership. Let's work through this transition. And he showed the very love that was not shown to him, he showed to them. And I believe that this is what God is calling us to do. We have to know how to fight in our world today. When the fight of freedom is realizing that you have that power, that power to forgive, that power to cross bridges, and the power to mend and to pull together. That's freedom. One of the hardest things, as I'm coming down, as I'm closing out, one of the hardest things that ticks me off with my Afro-Canadian, Afro-American, Jamaican culture is laziness. God has brought us together in in this context of this church, and he has brought us in to make a difference in this community. Amen? He has educated some of us. And some of us, we have so many degrees that, I mean, the, 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 those things at the end of your name, it, it's longer than your name. You know what I mean? I mean, you are overweight with degrees and other stuff, too. But God is calling us to make a difference in this community and some of us in our church we come in and we check out and you know what i mean we check out we do nothing for our community we are selfish we are celebrating our own accomplishments well i have now this i have accomplished i have my family and that's it i'm not reaching back I'm not helping anybody. I'm not doing anything in this community or in this church. And so you come and just relax. And this is symptomatic in in many of our churches right across the globe, is that we are just sitting. We're not getting involved. And God wants us to get involved. we got to remember the struggles of those in the past because they have given us the freedom to do the wonderful things that we can do right now. Amen. Come on, everyone. I think you're a little quiet. God is calling us into greatness. And when we think of this, I think of Jeremiah chapter 8. He says, the harvest is past. The summer is ended and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I mourn, astonishment hath taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Is there no balm in Gilead? God has given us the power to heal He has given us the power to reach across, to make a difference. He has given us the power truly to be what we can be, to make a difference. He has given us, are we claiming the power? When we think of this in the end of the book, in Revelation chapter 7, verse verse 9, it tells, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, of all kindred and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. God is creating a heaven for every single culture, for every single language, for every single people. What are we doing about it? Are we truly making a difference? Are we setting the table for our neighbors, whether they're white, whether they're black, whether they're are S- Hispanics, whether they're Asians, whether they're Africans, whether they're Jamaicans, whether they're the Canadians. Are we truly setting the table to welcome them are we exclusive the bible tells us that they will come out from all these cultures multitudes out of the kindreds tongues and people and i believe that god is calling us he is he has called us to make a difference Will you make a difference in your community? Will you make a difference in your church? He is calling us. If we want to make a difference and we want God to lead us in making a difference, I'm asking you to stand with me this morning, this afternoon. We need to understand, one, the theology of oneness. Jesus Christ, he says, when he comes, shall he find faith in this earth? Will we be one? Will we shed a heart of discrimination and embrace a heart of oneness? that he is calling us into the song truly says make us one lord make us one sometimes we have to be broken by god sister carter to be put back together god wants to remake us And he wants us to know, yes, the struggle that we went through, that our parents went through, our foreparents went through, we're standing under their blessing, under their prayers. We're standing here today praising his name. Amen. As we stand today, we're standing with a purpose. But we have to think as a people where are we headed? I believe God has his hand on some young person. He has his hand on some, some woman or man today. And he's saying, listen, I want to take you and I want to take you into the next generation. I want you to make an impact on this world. And he's going to use you to do great things. So as we stand We are saying, God, use me. Use me. I want to be used by you. Amen? And so as we pray, we pray for God to activate his blessings in our lives. And that we truly won't turn back, but we will say we will move on. And we will be that overcomer let us pray father we thank you we praise your name lord we worship you lord because you are worthy to be praised we pray father that your holy spirit will lead us now as we stand we want to say truly lord we are committing ourselves to your cause we're standing because, Lord, we are saying that we cannot do it on our own. But we can only do it through you, Father, who has threatened us. And we want to be change agents, Lord. As we celebrate this month, Lord, it gives us this opportunity where we can dialogue one with another, where we can lift each other up and emphasize an equality. Help us, Lord, to have that mentality, that mindset. To truly have that oneness that you have prayed for in John chapter 17. Let it be done, Father, according to your will. Bless your people, Lord, and guide us, Father, as we look forward to your soon coming. The greatest event that will occur on earth the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.